Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, episode 96. So rather than thinking in that mindset, I saw it as an opportunity of what can I do that's proactive, can help me gain experience in a second professional sport, and also can keep my skill set sharp, regardless of whether it's temporary or if it could turn into a permanent type of role. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon, and today we are joined by Emily Zaylor, the Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coach with the Denver Broncos. Emily, welcome. Thank you so much, Eric. I'm really excited to be on and looking forward to, to chatting with you today. Awesome. Uh, just to kick things off, I want to give you the opportunity to share your story into the field. How'd you get started and uh, uh, excited to get to know you? Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, um, I was an, I've was been an athlete my entire life and ended up playing soccer in college. Um, I started at the University of Oregon. And during my freshman year at the University of Oregon, I realized when I got there that I was the weakest person on my team in the weight room and strength and conditioning was something that I struggled with immensely and how I fell in love with it I would say is an untraditional journey where it wasn't always something that I excelled at and I was required by my coaching staff at University of Oregon to actually go into the weight room for extra lifts with our strength coach in addition to our team lifts that we had um, during the week. So it was through those extra sessions and through seeing myself make progress and seeing what I was doing in the weight room transfer onto the field and into my performance that I started to fall in love uh, with strength and conditioning. And from there, ended up transferring to University of Missouri and was fortunate enough to have Dr. Brian Mann as my strength coach um, at Mizzou. And he kind of took me under his wing. Um, and he was obviously an amazing person to have as a coach as well as learn from. And working with Dr. Mann definitely solidified, this is what I want to do professionally. Just seeing you know, what my experience was like with him um, definitely you know, confirmed in my mind that this is a path I can go down. And while I was at Mizzou, I ended up having a career ending knee injury with soccer. And it was through Dr. Mann that he said, Hey, you know, I know you have an opportunity to stay at Mizzou and keep your scholarship as like a team assistant, but if you're interested, I can connect you to an internship um, at athletes performance before it became EXO. So at the original AP facility in Phoenix, you know, would you be interested in doing that? So I saw that as a great opportunity to, get a jump start on my career. And this is back, not to age myself, but this is back in uh, 2008, 2009 was my first internship at AP at the original location uh, in Tempe, Arizona. And from there, that's kind of, that's kind of how it started. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. And it's, it's in a way it's a very uh, similar path to a lot of coaches that have, you know, an athletic background and, uh, maybe have a setback or an injury or something, and that drives them to uh, really uh, start thinking about how how they're going to progress into a career that still kind of drives that passion for for sports, athletics, um, 
and it really it's a it's always a little bit of a check when when you have a setback um, as an athlete or as a coach of you know how much this field and how much working with athletes and being in an athletic environment really means to you and so I think your experience really speaks to that really cool that you worked with Brian Mann um, he's obviously a huge part of our NSCA family and uh, he's presented at so many of our events and uh, I love talking with with Dr. Mann uh, on VBT and really cool that you had that experience of sort of getting thrown into the the fire with some you know with a high level strength coach and then going to API and Phoenix um, where you're from I believe and um, that that's just really cool. Um, Speak to your athletic experience, you know, division one soccer player. Um, how has being a college athlete helped you become a better coach? I think that my experience as a collegiate athlete has definitely helped shape me into kind of the coach that I am today. Having two very different experiences at University of Oregon and at University of Missouri kind of allowed me to see and develop what type of coach I wanted to become. And I think that having the relatability to the athletes that you're working with is huge, uh, regardless of whether you know it's women's soccer players or NBA players or NFL players, you've been in their shoes a little bit, just being you know a, an athlete in the past, whether it's you know professional, collegiate, it doesn't matter. I think that there's that relatability factor where it can allow you to help build, build buy-in and also build relationships, um, with your athletes. Um, and I think that having that athletic experience and knowing what it feels like yourself to have been in their shoes, so to speak, can actually help you empower them further as a coach. That's awesome. Um, and you spoke to your different athletic experiences, but you've also had a lot of stops along the way in your, in your coaching path. Speak to the value of seeking out opportunities. And I, I think in your case, that meant traveling around the country quite a bit. Uh, speak to the value of, of moving around and, and seeking out opportunities and how that has benefited you. Being willing to be mobile and seek out opportunities and not wait for things to fall into your lap has been a constant, you know, throughout my life, but especially throughout my career, um, you know, over the last decade, a lot of moving around, a lot of taking risks per se, that some, you know, may not be willing to take. But I think if you have the capability to be mobile, um, you know, like for me, I don't have a family, I'm pretty, pretty much can, can go wherever the, the right opportunity is, um, is only gonna help set you up for success and putting yourself out there, you never have anything to lose. So like the worst, the worst case scenario, the answer, the answer is no, but if you don't ask, the answer is always no anyway. So trying to create opportunities for yourself, there's really, it can only benefit you. Um, there's really nothing. You know, if you reach out to someone, you don't hear back onto the next. So. That's awesome. I, I remember some advice I got early in my career from Dr. Dr. Margaret Jones at Springfield College. And it was, uh, you know, there's gonna be opportunities for you to get internships and experience if you're willing to go anywhere. And that really stuck with me um, coming out of a program that 
there were a lot of students going and, and finding internships and, and opportunities to, to gain experience. Uh, but it was, it, I mean, it, I realized how competitive the field was and that to, uh, to forge ahead and, and really pursue the goals that I was, I was trying to pursue, um, getting out there and expanding your backyard to, uh, you know, to the entire country or even globally at times, I think is, is really valuable. It's a valuable message for coaches. So, um, you just kind of getting, getting to know you a little bit and hearing that, uh, brought me back a little bit, um, on that area. Um, you know, something that, that you didn't share yet on here, but I know when we sort of pre-gamed for our podcast, um, you talked about your time with the New York Knicks and, um, you, uh, you were getting established in the field and you had a great opportunity, uh, you know, working with the New York Knicks, the NBA team, and, uh, all of a sudden COVID hit and things kind of came to a screeching halt. How did you deal with that? Uh, it speaks to a little bit of the adversity that we face in the field and um, you obviously landed on your feet with the Broncos here, um, but speak to that experience in that time. Absolutely. So when I originally got the opportunity with the Knicks, um, kind of how that came about, long story short, I had reached out to almost every single NBA team just blindly. You know, I had zero connections, um, just reached out, kind of introduced myself made it clear that, you know, hey, my my goal right now is to work in professional sports, whether that's the NBA or the NFL. And I was surprised, you know, I didn't expect anything from, from those emails. And I was surprised when, you know, I did hear back from the Knicks and was given that amazing opportunity and had a wonderful experience in New York. And like you said, you know, our season suddenly came to an end. So last March, um, the NBA season, was suspended and right when COVID hit. And from there, obviously the Orlando NBA bubble ended up happening, but there was a waiting period between mid-March to about the end of May where we really weren't sure, you know, is there gonna be a bubble? Are all 30 NBA teams going to be included or is it only gonna be some of the top organizations, you know, with the best records that are gonna be going to, to Florida? So. It turns out, you know, we weren't one of those teams that were invited into the bubble. So for me, um, you know, that basically meant that we were done without, you know, an unknown of when the next NBA season is even starting. You know, what does that look like? And I ended up, as well as many of our other employees, um, being furloughed at the time because there really, there was no, you know, we didn't really have anything going on. And so I completely, you know, understood that. Um, but I tried to, you know, use that adversity rather than thinking, hey, I finally made it, you know, to the professional level, which has been my my dream since first interning at Athletes Performance in 2008. So we're talking, you know, 12 years later, um, you know, finally at the professional level and then it's just, it's over. So rather than thinking in that mindset, I saw it as an opportunity of what can I do that's proactive, can help me gain experience in a second professional sport and also can keep my skill set sharp, regardless of whether it's temporary or if it could turn into a permanent type of role. Um, so knowing that NFL training camps were starting soon. So again, this was the end of May and training camps start in July. 
um, I figured that most teams already had, you know, their staff in place uh, for camp and for the season, but that, again, I had nothing to lose by reaching out. And rather than sitting there and kind of dwelling on the situation, taking action and trying to turn, you know, the adversity into an opportunity and make the best of a situation. And so kind of utilizing the same strategy as I did with the NBA teams, I decided to contact every single NFL organization um, and just reaching out, introducing myself, sharing, you know, hey, I just spent the season in the NBA. Our season ended due to COVID. Not really sure what training camp looks like at this point, but could I even be a volunteer, you know, during training camp for six weeks uh, to gain experience in a second professional sport, keep my skill set sharp, um, kind of everything I just explained. And I had no idea if I was going to hear back you know, from, from any teams, but again, figured I had nothing to lose. And if anything could at least create some relationships for the future, uh, with, with coaches throughout the league. And, you know, there was definitely a process behind that where just figuring out everyone's email addresses, um, got a lot of return to senders where, you know, it was a guessing game for a lot of them, uh, to try to figure out their contact information, but ended up doing that. And, didn't hear back from many on the first set of emails that I send out. So I sent out, um, you know, every single team and I ended up kind of creating uh, a spreadsheet to keep track of the days that I reached out, if I heard back, what their response was. Um, so very like dialed in um, systematic approach that ended up really paying off. So reached out a second time to every single coach about two weeks later you know, and just said, Hey, you know, I know COVID's going on. Things are crazy. Just wanted to follow up with you. And it was after that second round that I ended up hearing back from about 27 out of the 32 teams, which was, I was shocked that, you know, I got that, that larger response and they weren't all, Hey, we're interested, but a lot of them were, Hey, we really appreciate the follow-up. And even if we're fully staffed right now, you know, we were going to keep your resume for the future and let's connect and just chat for a few minutes. So it gave me an opportunity um, to really build some relationships uh, with a few different coaches around the league, which, you know, I was excited just about that, uh, you know, at the time. So during that time when I was still figuring out like what, you know, what does the next few months look like, right? Um, I learned about something called the Bill Walsh Diversity Fellowship just through doing research about the NFL online. I came across it randomly and it's a fantastic opportunity for coaches of minority or different diverse backgrounds to gain experience uh, within the NFL during training camp. And on the website, it said it was for positional coaches. It said nothing about strength and conditioning. And so I kind of wondered, you know, am I eligible for this opportunity? You know, do I even qualify? So I contacted um, the NFL and headquarters and they said, hey, you know, we typically offer this to positional coaches, but absolutely strength coaches can qualify for this. And super excited, you know, to hear back from them and set my application in. And on the application, you could list your top organizations that you're interested in. You know, if given the fellowship, what would your top five teams be ideally, you know, where you'd want to go? And Denver was, you know, right up there at the top of the list and having the opportunity to work with Coach Lando and learn from him was something that I thought would be, you know, invaluable uh, for my career. So 
after I applied and listed Broncos as the top team that, you know, I'd be interested in, I uh, reached out to coach Lando. This is now I think a third time that I hadn't heard back yet from him and reached out a third time and said, Hey, you know, just following up again. I know, you know, you still don't really know what's going on with COVID. And I just wanted to let you know that I've applied for the fellowship and immediately I got a response back saying, Hey, let's jump on a call, you know, tomorrow. And, you know, long story short, that kind of led to having that opportunity uh, to spend training camp here in Denver, uh, which turned into a full-time position uh, with the organization. So I'm extremely grateful for the entire Denver Broncos organization for, you know, giving me that opportunity and just supporting, you know, diversity and inclusion. That's awesome. Um, and I think it's important to highlight those types of opportunities for, for young coaches that listen to this podcast. Um, there are so many opportunities out there. Um, your story really speaks to the persistence that's necessary to establish yourself in this field and just to, and, and I love that, you know, you, you kind of had a, I haven't made it yet mentality at every step and you, you continued to work. You didn't just get to the professional level and stop and get complacent. You continue to use the same process and be systematic about uh, pursuing your career at, at all the different stages that you've been through. Um, I think it's awesome. To, awesome to hear that. And so you've spoken a lot about, you know, stops along the way and the applied, you know, weight room and coaching experience that you've had. Uh, speak to your academic preparation and what are the key areas for young coaches uh, getting into the field to really focus on uh, maybe, may, and maybe this has changed a little bit from 10, 15 years ago uh, with the number of different education programs that are, that exist today. Yeah. Within our field, there's, like you mentioned, you know, today there are so many education opportunities that weren't there, you know, 10 years ago when I was coming out of undergrad. So uh, the path, you know, I took um, completed my undergraduate degree in exercise science and ended up graduating from ASU after transferring there to spend time at Athletes Performance and completed that. And then believe it or not, I actually kind of kind of took a, a slight detour um, and started working with general population unexpectedly immediately out of undergrad and had a lot of success with that, but kind of came to a realization a few years ago of this is great, but it's not, this isn't the long-term goal. And this isn't really, you know, what I want to be doing. So a few years ago, I kind of put a plan together of, Hey, how can I shift this back in the direction of where I see myself long-term and what that ultimate goal is. So at the time, um, a handful of years ago, you know, I didn't have my CSCS, I didn't have my master's degree. And I knew that if I wanted to work at the professional level that I needed those things. Right. And decided to go back to school, complete my master's um, at Concordia of Chicago in applied exercise science, strength and conditioning. And then obviously, you know, became certified through the NSCA um, as a certified strength and conditioning specialist. Um, and at the time, after working with general population for a few years, I knew that I needed to kind of humble myself a little bit and gain experience as an intern again. Um, if I wanted to, you know, go down this path, I knew I needed more recent and relevant experience working with athletes 
then saying, Hey, in 2008, 2010, you know, I was at athletes performance and, um, you know, since had worked on and off with, with athletes, but I knew I needed more relevant experience. Um, so I was in San Diego at the time and I reached out to every university in San Diego, just seeing, Hey, can I volunteer my time while still, um, keeping my other full-time position I had, which was running training departments um, for a few different um, facilities within California and managing and running a training department was great, but again, not what I wanted to be doing long-term. So I started volunteering at UC San Diego, uh, which was an awesome experience um, and allowed me to gain more relevant, more recent experience prior to you know, having the opportunity with the Knicks, uh, which led to this current opportunity, but kind of getting my foot back, back in that water and, you know, being willing to, to go in and, and volunteer my time. Um, and I was, had the opportunity to work with, um, Lauren Green and Miles Cooper at UCSD, um, and Dr. Matt Kritz. They were all fantastic and kind of supported me and elevated me. And that's kind of how I got back into, um, you know, working with the athletic population again and getting back on track, um, you know, towards this goal of working at the professional level. So as far as going back to education, um, that was kind of all part of that plan that I put together a few years ago was, hey, I know I need to get my master's within the field. I know obviously I need to get my CSCS and I know I need to get more recent experience Um you know, after being away and working with general population for a few years. So, so you navigated general population, personal training, uh, you got experience in the private sector, you got experience with college sports. Now you work at the professional level. What, maybe what's something that's different than you expected working with pro athletes? Um, you know, do you have any, do you have anything, uh, that maybe surprised you when you, when you, got to the NBA with the Knicks or, uh, started with, uh, with the staff on the Broncos? I think coming from my athletic background and having that experience at athletes performance back in the day, I, you know, definitely helped the transition into the professional setting. And I wouldn't say necessarily surprising to me, but I think surprising to most people listening is that professional athletes are people. And they're just, you know, everyday people. And I think that a lot of my my skill set that came from working with general population and came from managing training departments and being able to work with different personalities and build relationships um, and build buy-in with different types of people, I think all those things have helped prepare me, you know, for the opportunity to work in, in pro sports because, like I said, they're everyday people and it's about relationships and people first, um, you know, in coaching. So I truly believe that. And I think that people on the outside might not, might be surprised by that to know that, Hey, these are regular, these are regular guys, you know, it doesn't really change that much, uh, from the collegiate or whatever other setting that you're, that you're in. So you have an awesome staff, obviously with Lauren, Corey, and, and, and all the guys up with Denver. Um, and, We've talked about your path into the field, your ambition, uh, and I think, like many coaches, you know, we we aspire to be head strength and conditioning coaches at some point in our career. Um, 
But I want to ask you, you know, in your current role as an assistant strength coach, you know, how do you create value in that position to benefit the training staff as a whole and the organization? As an assistant, I think you can create value in numerous ways. And first and foremost is being a team player and being willing to, you know, do anything that's asked or just going above and beyond in general, regardless of what that task is going in with the mindset of there's no, no task is too small, you know, regardless of whether that's coaching, whether that's cleaning, whether that's getting coffee, whatever it is, like being willing to, to do everything at your absolute best and with a smile on your face um, and just showing that you're a team player and however you can help serve the organization and help improve, you know, the team's performance, whatever you can do to help your athletes succeed is what you're going to do. And so I think going with a mindset of, you know, no task is too small, whatever I can do to help benefit our organization and benefit our athletes, um, you know, hundred percent willing to do. That's awesome. Um, so let's go back. Uh, you, you aspired to work with, with Lauren and you, you sought out that opportunity. You were well-versed in the field and, and really did your research about, you know, who are some of the, uh, who are some of the top coaches that you could get experience from who have been some of your major influences that maybe you haven't talked about yet? Yeah. So throughout the years, I've definitely, you know, had a lot of great, great mentors. Um, you know, I've mentioned a lot of them already. Uh, and working with Lauren again has been just a fantastic experience as well as a wonderful learning opportunity that I know will help mold me for, for future roles. Um, but aside from Lauren, um, Bar Malik, who was the director of strength conditioning for the New York Knicks while I was there has been a huge role model um, and mentor, you know, of mine. And the first person that kind of gave me the opportunity to get my foot in the door at the professional level. So I'll definitely be, you know, forever grateful for him um, and just learned so much throughout my first season, you know, in the professional setting that I think is definitely, even though it's a different sport, has transferred over and prepared me for the opportunity, you know, that I have today uh, within the NFL. Um, so bar, in New York and then uh, Shimon in New York. He was our other assistant and performance analyst. And he's fantastic to learn from. Um, so those two and just during that time in New York were super influential. Um, and then there's people that, you know, throughout the years, there's been so many that, you know, to go through all of them, but I feel very fortunate, you know, to kind of have worked with some of the people that I've had the opportunity um, to work with and learn from. It's really important to network in this field and to kind of grow that web of, of contacts and, and people that one, you know, uh, and you know, their influence in the field and you can read or, or just follow them, but also there's, uh, there's a lot of value to reaching out and making contact and your experience really, really does speak to that. I want to ask you about, uh, sort of the difference um, from maybe when you first got into the field and today with regard to technology, especially working at the professional level and just the number of resources that are currently available and how you maximize those uh, in your training environment? Yeah, great question. So back in the day, you know, like you mentioned, 
uh, there, there really wasn't, you know, that much technology and sports science, quote unquote, you know, wasn't really a thing. Um, you know, going back to 2008, you know, when I was still an undergrad and really starting to gain experience um, as an intern, I remember at Mizzou, Dr. Mann, you know, kind of being ahead of the game, um, as always, you know, we had, I remember vaguely, like some polar heart rate monitors we used to wear uh, when we were training, but, you know, I had no idea what was going on at the back end, uh, what was being monitored, you know, at the time as a student athlete, I just knew, hey, we're going to wear these, okay. Um, but now to see kind of, you know, the direction that the field is heading within, you know, sports science is amazing. And during my experience at UCSD um, and working with and learning from Lauren Green, who does a fantastic job at UCSD. And at the time he was running um, the sports science for uh, the university, I learned a lot from him. Um, and then going into the NBA, um, we use Connexon uh, within the NBA. Um, and then now currently utilizing Catapult um, for data you know, at practice uh, with the guys. So it's really, as you know, obviously extremely a beneficial tool um, that I'm excited, I'm excited about and excited that more and more people within the field are understanding how to utilize that data to improve the performance of our athletes. It's, it's kind of funny. And, and I think we were laughing about it is like, we talk about even 10, 12 years ago as, as, oh, so it dates us and it's so far back, but it really, a lot has happened. And a lot of, uh, you know, whereas the science has been there, uh, technology has made it so accessible uh, in that period of time. And so uh, we as coaches have had to learn uh, a lot with regard to technology, uh, data integrations, athlete management systems, things that were concepts and some teams were way ahead of the curve at, you know, back 10, 15 years ago, but this is uh, very prevalent across the board with sports. Um, I want to ask you sort of a projection question. Where do you see this push towards technology and performance going and how does that, how does that change or impact the role of the coach in the future? I think the push towards technology is only going to continue to grow. And I feel like change, as far as the role of the coach in the future, I feel like if you're not well-versed and you're not educated, you know, within that realm, that it's going to be a struggle. Um, and I know, you know, there's a new certification through the NSCA uh, to help prepare coaches for more of the sports science side of things, which I think is, you know, fantastic that you guys, you know, have put that together and I think will be almost a necessity for a lot of coaches, you know, moving forward as the field continues to progress. I think, um, and that's, uh, it, it is, a, it is an important topic. And one of the things that gets kind of cloudy at times is, you know, while technology has put sports science on the forefront, there's such a need for that for that process, that integrative process that, um, or the high performance team or building a sports science team. And at the professional level, when you have a lot of resources, uh, that's, that's an environment where we can speak to that a little bit. And so um, just for our audience, uh, just a, 
a little bit of a teaser for the upcoming certification that's scheduled to launch mid-year. We have the textbook, Essentials of Sports Science, coming out at the end of February. And this is truly, it's going to be an advanced level certification um, that, you know, and we've spoken a lot today to, uh, to the value of strength coaches, but this is going to be an advancement on that. It's going to empower strength coaches to take on uh, new roles, advanced level roles, senior level roles, director level roles um, in the future. And that's really the spirit of that certification. It does include technology, but it is not just strength and conditioning plus technology equals sports science. It, it, it is way more in depth than that. And we, we, uh, we are very passionate, passionate about that at the NSCA, but just as a message to our coaching core audience out there, uh, you guys are the heart and soul of this organization. And, and I, I firmly believe that it's going to empower coaches in the future. Um, and so when, on this podcast, when we talk to, uh, Emily coaches like yourself, you know, it's, I think it's really important that, you know, this is the NSCA coaching podcast. Coaches are so valuable and the coaching skill set extends beyond strength and conditioning job titles. Um, and your experience really does showcase that, you know, you worked as a personal trainer, you worked in a variety of different environments. Um, I want to ask you about some of the other skills, you know, that are required for strength coaches that may be out of the strength and conditioning and sports science curriculum. Yeah, I think, you know, like you mentioned, a lot of a lot of young coaches out there, I feel like, think, you know, if I don't get a job, you know, immediately in the collegiate or professional setting, then, you know, I'm going to give up or I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to change career paths. You know, it's too, you know, everyone wants those jobs. That's too hard. You know, I don't want to just work at a gym with general pop. And I think the more well-rounded that you can be in your experience as a young coach, that can only help you develop those skills, you know, outside of actual coaching. Um, that will translate to success in the future. So I do feel like for me, having experience in, you know, the private sector, the collegiate setting and the professional setting have helped me become well-rounded as an individual, as well as being able to, you know, transfer some of those skills into the professional sports world. So I think developing, you know, the quote, you know, the soft skills um, are definitely critical, um, especially, you know, if you do want to coach at the professional level. That's awesome. And these soft skills aren't exclusive to our field. I think sometimes we feel very siloed as strength coaches and, and we're, we're in the weight room and, uh, you know, the front office and all these other professionals have, have their space, but, um, it, you know, communication is, is universal. It, uh, leadership is universal and coaches are truly impactful. Um, Emily, it's been awesome getting to know you. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to share your contact information with our, with our listeners today. Uh, how can they get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is through email or social media. So Social media for Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my handle is E Zaler, so E Z A L E R. And they can also shoot me an email at emilyzaler at gmail.com. 
And I do try to get back, you know, to, to everyone who reaches out. And I think being in their shoes and reaching out, you know, blindly to coaches myself, I am truly appreciative, you know, every time someone took the time to respond to me. So that's definitely a commitment, you know, I've made to myself is that I'm going to get back to, to anyone, um, you know, who reaches out looking for, for advice or support. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on today. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, it's been awesome. Yeah. Emily Zaylor, assistant strength and conditioning coach of the NFL Denver Broncos. Thanks for being with us. And to our listeners, we appreciate all of you tuning in today. Thank you also to our sponsor, Sorenex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. From the NSCA, thank you for listening to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. We serve you, the coaching community. So follow, subscribe, and download for future episodes. We look forward to connecting with you again soon and hope you'll join us at an upcoming NSCA event or in one of our special interest groups. For more information, go to nsca.com. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.